Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this week, we're talking about Jules Massenet's Werther, Eric, which debuted in 1892 in Vienna in a German version and then debuted in the, the, the French version that we know, I think, the following year. Yeah. This is a wonderful piece. It is opera at its most passionate, which is really interesting because it, it's like almost like Jane Austen, you know, because these people are very repressed in their emotions. But thanks to Jules Massenet's score you get to experience the roiling, almost volcanic emotions just seething right beneath the, the surface, surface of all these people. Because this is based on Goethe's novel, The Sorrows of Young Werther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, of course, is one of the, the iconic texts of romanticism. Right. I mean, this guy is hes the quintessential Byronic hero. He's the close cousin to Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights, only with... Massenet's brilliant score. Yeah, you're talking about Goethe, not Massenet. Yes, I am. I'm sorry. Or, Go- or Goethe. Or Goethe. <laughs> nor, nor Goethe. I'm talking about Werther. Right. Beg your pardon. So who is Werther? He's a young man who loves, not too wisely, but too well, actually. He's a poet. He is. He's in and his early he's, 20s. He's very young, as is, is the object of his, his amorous uh, intent, Charlotte. Uh, they're very young people, and uh, she, unfortunately for him, has grown up in this respectable household, and she is expected to marry this very sort of stolid young businessman named Albert, and, and in fact, she does by the second act. This is in Germany in the 18th century. Right, in Frankfurt. Charlotte is living in her father's house. Her father is the, the magistrate or the bailiff. Right. And she lives there with her, her sister Sophie and some younger children. Exactly. Younger members of the household. And she sort of has taken over the position of, well, matriarch, mother. really, because mm-hmm. her mother has passed away. And, and her those... mother's dying wish was that Charlotte marry Albert. Right. And so right. she's got a sort of familial obligation. Yeah, it's it's not an arranged marriage as we think of, you know, with with royalty or 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 in some societies, but it's about as close as you get to one. I mean, she is this is her duty. It's made very clear to her that she is to marry Albert. That's what she's expected to do. It's the respectable thing to do. He's a respectable businessman and it's all just sort of very but, respectable. <laughs> at the opening of the opera though, they're not married. They're, not yet. They they are engaged. Exactly. They they have the intention to marry. Yes. At the beginning of Act One, the the magistrate, the father, is teaching his young children a Christmas song, a Christmas carol. Mm -hmm. And that's going to have some significance later. Yeah. Tragic significance, sadly. (laughs) Because it's sort of ironic because it's in the middle of July. Yeah. As as they're, they're practicing this Christmas song... This young man, whom they've not met before, named Werther, arrives. And he is quite smitten, by thunderstruck, Charlotte. really, mm-hmm. by Charlotte. As, you know, being the Byronic hero, he, boy, when he feels something, he feels it very instantly and with, with great intensity. They're going to this ball that evening. Sophie is going, Charlotte's going, Albert is out of town. He's away. He's late to return uh, to escort Charlotte. From a business trip or something. Yes. So off they go to the ball. Charlotte 
is with Vater as her escort. <laughs> yes. And when they come home from the ball, back to Charlotte's house, surprise, surprise, guess who's back in town? Oops, it's Albert. It's Albert. <laughs> <laughs> and Werther is absolutely thunderstruck to learn that Charlotte has a fiancé. Up until this point, everything has been hunky-dory. Right. Werther's happy because you know he's got this attraction to Charlotte, which seems to be reciprocated. Yes. And then suddenly here you have the dagger plunged into his heart. So uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. The curtain falls on act one. He says, An autre son époux. There's another one. Ah, her, her, her fiancé. Right. <laughs> In act two, three months later, Charlotte and Albert are already married. Yes. And they are in front of the church. There's a celebration going on in the church. And... Vater shows up. He sees them in the distance. Yeah. And he says again, Un autre est son époux. Another man is her, her husband. Well, yeah. well, now I her mean, husband. It's now yes. her husband, right. Which, of course, echoes what he says at the end of Act One. Right. So much has changed for Charlotte and Albert. Nothing has changed for poor Vater, sadly. And we begin to see <clears throat> Vater's sorrows. I mean, he's starting to get more and more depressed. Yes. Nothing has changed as far as his feelings for Charlotte Charlotte is concerned, but he respects the fact that she's married to this man, but he can't change his feelings for her. And so he's sinking further and further into despair. He says that he's going to go away. The only thing he can do is to go away and absent himself so that he's not constantly reminded of Charlotte and Albert. Right. And she says... Go away at least until Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come back till Christmas. <laughs> right. There's a lot of Christmases in this opera. Yeah. I mean, we start out with the, the Christmas carol at the beginning of Act One. Here we are with that reference to Christmas again, and we will see it again toward the end. Does he go? Well, if he did, we wouldn't have an opera, would we? <laughs> <laughs> and as he leaves, he tells Sophie, Charlotte's sister, that he's going and he's never coming back. Yeah, sure he isn't. Famous last words. <laughs> right. But what Albert realizes is that Vater is in love with Charlotte. Yeah, I think he's just first for the, for the first time the, that has dawned on him that this is the situation. And that's how we end Act 2. Act 3, it's Christmas time, and Charlotte is reading the letters that she has received from Werther. Yes, in a very famous aria, the Air de Lettres. What are these letters saying? Well, they're love letters. <laughs> they're passionate love letters. And she's reading them, and she is feeling that love, the same love that he feels for her. Yes, and this is the first time that we've, I mean, we've seen Charlotte looking discomfited by Werther's attention to her after she was married. We've seen that she's, you know, sort of thrown off her game and made to feel very uncomfortable. But up to this point, she seemed kind of cold, perhaps even. Uh, Very reserved. Very reserved. Now, finally, Werther allows us behind, you know, to pull back the veil and to see what's really going on with Charlotte. And she is every bit as intensely in love with Werther as he is with her. And she she has another aria here in this act called Va l'essécouler mes lames. Let my tears, Let my tears flow. flow. Yeah. 
And she does. She admits that she is in love with Werther. Absolutely. And then, as if to sort of add insult to injury, Werther returns. Right, because she told him, go Come. away till Christmas. Well, it's, it's Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> and here he is. He couldn't stay away any longer. No. He tells her that. And they have this scene of reminiscence where they sort of relive the things that they used to do, presumably when Albert was not in the picture, when he was away or before they were married. Right. And the music here becomes, as only Werther could write, intensely passionate. The only, the only composer that I think even rivals him for just, you know, really intensely emotional pathos is Puccini, who was a contemporary, not surprisingly. Of course, Werther doesn't know at this point really how Charlotte feels about him until a little bit later in this act when her voice finally gives her away. Yeah. And the music starts to get more and more tragic. Yes. Something <laughs> is going to happen and it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. Everything sort of comes to a head. I mean, they, they, they love each other. They can't have each other. And they can't stand that situation. And Charlotte runs and locks herself in a room. And Albert comes in and realizes what's going on. And at that point, a servant comes in with a message from Werther. And the message says that he's going to go on a long journey and he wants to borrow Albert's pistols. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, we can see, of course, that this is really taking a very sharp downward turn very Al rapidly. Albert tells Charlotte to give them to the servant who has delivered the message to take back to Werther. Yeah. Does Albert have any sense of what is going on in that request for the pistols? You know, we don't really know, but probably, don't you think? I mean, at this point, he under he realizes that Werther has these feelings for his wife. He may or may not know that his wife returns those feelings, although probably not. It's hard to say. But the, the point is that Charlotte figures it out. <laughs> she realizes what is going on here. She races to find Werther, and, and we actually she goes a, over to his place. We yeah, and this is where this is where we 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 go seamlessly from Act Three to Act Four, and Act Four is in uh, Werther's apartment, and she rushes in, and she finds him lying wounded on the floor. He yeah, has shot, shot himself. himself, but he's not dead, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> he prevents her from going for help. Her instinct is to rush away and, and, and get help, but he prevents her. And as he's dying, there is this huge declaration of love. She tells him that she had loved him from the moment she first met him. And that's all he needed to hear. And as he dies outside, the voices of the children singing Christmas carols. We're back to the beginning of Act One again. Yes, in a very ironic uh, juxtaposition of you know the birth and life of children singing Christmas songs while this young man breathes his last. But again, what is ironic as well is that in death, though, there is that blissfulness because for this brief moment, they are 
together. They do declare their love for each other. And that's the sort of the apotheosis of the whole experience, isn't right, it? Right, right, right. Which we've, you know, seen before in other operas like Tristan or Isolde. And it's, it's uh, not uncommon in opera or in Aida or... Uh, lots of operatic couples can only be together when death brings them together, as, as it does here. That moment of bliss is so fleeting. So, Eric Werther, what does the reputation of this opera rest on? The music. Massenet is, again, like Puccini, he's a master dramatist. His operas are so well-constructed that it almost feels as if you could take the music away and the libretto would stand on its own. But with the music added, it's a perfect union of words and music. It's, it's, it's the operatic ideal in a sense. And they're very carefully dramatically constructed. And again, it, it, this is a, a fascinating piece in that you have these characters who are so restrained and so repressed by the societal conventions and but yet the, the music cor- tears the, everything away and lets you see what's really going on underne- underneath there. But there comes a point sort of halfway through where that constraint begins to crumble. It does begin to crumble, but at the same time, that constraint is what leads Werther to conclude that the only way out of this is for him to kill himself. He can't live with these passions. He can't act on them but he also can't live with them. And in fact, when Goethe's novel came out, The Sorrows of, of Young Werther, there was this whole spate of, of young people Suicides. killing themselves. Yeah, which is horrifying to think about, you know, as we see it in our society today for, for other reasons. So do we see Werther as a tragic figure? We do if you have a, a tenor in the title role, who is charismatic enough to make us feel what Werther is feeling. And Massenet gives you the tools to do that. If they fail to do that, then Werther just looks like a selfish jerk. But if he pulls you in, if the tenor is able to pull you into that world using Massenet's music and just make you feel it to the point where you just believe it, then yes, Werther is absolutely a tragic hero. Jean Massenet's Vetter. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening.